So I have for a title this morning, Impossible is Nothing. Go with me to Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Verse 27 is the, is the text, but verse 17 introduces the text. Jeremiah chapter 32. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, first of all. And then we'll go to verse 27. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Verse 27, which is the main text, the only verse I'll be talking about today and next Sunday by the grace of God. He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. The Lord introducing himself here. The God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I don't know if anybody has an answer to that question. The Lord himself is asking us a question here. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anybody here this morning that knows anything that is too hard for the Lord? Anybody? Nobody. So, I want to ask you this morning, church, in your life, in your family, in your academics, in your finances, in your health, is there anything too hard for the Lord? But you know, when we go through stuff sometimes, when we go through life, when we go through situations, it looks as though God can handle certain things. Well, he can handle all things, but probably he's not interested in handling certain things, and certain things look bigger than God. There are mountains in our lives that look as though they would never move. There are chains that look as though they would never break. But I, I bring you good news this morning that there is nothing that God cannot do. Can I have an amen to that? We live in very tough and trying times. No news. No doubt about that. We live in a season when men's hearts are failing them for the fear of things to come. According to Luke 21, 26, these times have already been prophesied. These times had been spoken of in the scriptures. That a time will come that men's hearts will fail them for the fear of things to come. For fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. We are living in those times. Men's hearts failing them everywhere. I gave an example some time ago of a man in Germany who happened to be in charge of the economy in the year 2020. As they announced the global meltdown, the, the lockdown uh, occasioned by the pandemic, the man took his life. He was in charge of the economy of Germany. Germany is by no means a small country in the world in terms of economy, in terms of infra infrastructure, in terms of IT and, and the rest of it. I mean, Germany is a high-tech country. And the man in charge of the economy took his life. Why did he take his life? He said because he was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed for what? Because he said he didn't know how the people would cope because of the lockdown. Now, in retrospect, we can look back and say, the people of Germany, are you still alive or not? People are still living in Germany today. Are people not alive? Are people not surviving? But a man took his own life because he took the burden of the whole country upon himself. Men's heart failing them for fear of the things to come. We still live in such days. In fact, it's getting darker and darker. 
If you bring it home to our economy, I mean, there's nothing to write them about. If you look at foreign exchange, you may pass out. Especially if you're in the business of buying and selling and you're in the business of importation and exportation. But God is faithful still. Can I have an amen to that? God is aware that we're here and is not playing games with our lives. It is time, therefore, brethren, to dig deep into the possibilities of our God. Taking a closer look into his goodness, mercy, grace, power, glory, blessing, majesty, and love. It is time to take a closer look into the possibilities and the abilities of our God. The more you look to him, the better your life becomes. In Psalm 34 verse 5, the Bible says they looked to him and were lightened. One translation says, and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. I have a piece of advice for you as I begin to preach this morning. Stop looking to the enormity of your situation. Stop looking to the bigness of your problems. If you do that, you will sink. I don't want you to sink. I don't want you to go under. Take your gaze away from the enormity of what is going on around you. Take your gaze away from the news of Nigeria. Take your gaze away from the news of your country, those of you overseas, and look to the bigness of your God. Stop telling God how big the problem is. Start telling the problem how big your God is. Take your gaze away from that because if you keep looking at what is going on, the enormity of what is going on can sink you. It has a tendency. This is the reason people have high blood pressure. I've been there, so I know what it means. Especially when financial pressure comes down on you. When financial pressure comes down on any man, the blood pressure goes the opposite direction. Financial pressure comes down, blood pressure goes up. Jesus said to us in John 14 verse 1, and I mistakenly quoted this as John 24 last week. John 14 verse 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your spirit man, that's your heart there. It's not this one pumping blood. It's actually referring to your spirit. He said, let not your spirit man be troubled. Neither let him be afraid. He said, ye believe in God, believe also in me. Look away from the bigness of your situation. I don't care how big it is. Look away from it. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, the Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you because it trusts in you. If you keep analyzing and over-analyzing your situation, over-analysis leads to paralysis. How am I going to cope, Lord? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to pay my bills? Will I ever have a husband? Will anybody ever come into my life? Will I have a relationship? Why are you bothered? Why are you so bothered about things you don't have control over? That we receive the wisdom to let God handle the things that we cannot handle. Can I have an amen to that? Because it's a lot of wisdom. It is the reason many are aging before their time. They're growing old. Young people growing old. Some people are 23. They're looking for the five. Because you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Lord, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Let tomorrow take care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Are you with me, church? The reason people are getting depressed, young people getting depressed, is because they are keeping their focus on their problems. They are keeping, and look, your focus does not bring any solution to it. What happens is, whatever you focus on magnifies. You will be seeing what you didn't see before. When you focus on anything, it magnifies. And I can prove that to you. For example, if you want, um, you want to buy a car, and what you want is a, is a Toyota Camry. Um, let's say, for example, Toyota Camry 2010. 
Oh, let's say Total Camry. There's one they call Big Daddy in Nigeria. So, okay, I'm a student. I want Big Daddy. I can maintain that. The day you make up your mind you want to buy that car, as you step on the road, I tell you within 10 minutes, it is likely you'll see about four to five of that car. Those, that particular car, before you started thinking about it, before you started desiring it, had been manufactured by Toyota. And every day it travels on the road. You didn't pay attention to it. But the day you chose to pay attention to it, and you made up your mind, this is the car that I, I want to buy, it will be as though that's the only car on the road. Every day you step out, you'll be seeing that same car, different colors. Say, oh, wow, I thought I wanted black. But man, this wine is not bad. Though. The next moment, you know, green. The green of the same car. It will be as though that car is the only car on the road. Because that's what you chose to focus on. If you switch again your choice. And you say, look, I want a Mercedes. I want a C-Class, maybe CLA 3 something. That's what I want. CLA is what I want. You'll be seeing CLA like every day. Everywhere you go. Leave it, but don't go to Lagos. It will be as though CLA is just the only car they drive in Lagos. Why? Your focus really does not multiply that car. But your focus now makes it so big that it's like the only thing you are seeing. When you focus on your problems, on your challenges, on your current situations, which are subject to change anyway, it will be as though that's the only thing in the world. And you will not be able to fellowship with God. You will not be able to enjoy even your relationship with other people. You will not enjoy your relationship with your friends. You will be so full of your problems. And you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever tried to engage someone in a conversation? And within two, three minutes of talking, they start telling you all their problems. Because they are so full of problems. I don't want to be full of problems. I want to be full of the praise of God. Can I have an amen to that? I said, no, we want to talk about something else. No, really, I need to tell you about this one. Because that person's heart is full of it. Of the abundance of the heart. Matthew 12, I believe, verse 34. Of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to encourage you this morning. Look away. Do whatever you have to do. Look away from your challenges. Look to God. They looked to him and were lightened. Those who always look to God are always radiant. Because God radiates his glory. The more you look to him, the better your life becomes. Isaiah 26, and I believe it's verse 3. Can you put that on the screen for me? I want us to look at this very quickly. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Let's read this together from God's word. One, two, go. Let's go. Thou. Am I in the expression house this morning? Okay, so make it louder. I know some of you have not had breakfast, but it's fine. You'll be fine. Amen. After service, you're going to eat. Can I have an Amen. So raise it, raise it up, raise it up. One, two, go. Thou will keep him in perfect shalom. Whose mind is stayed on the problem? Because they believe in the problem. Who will God keep in perfect peace? Yeah, what does your Bible say? Whose mind is stayed on God? Satan will try to distract you. The problem will try to distract you. People will try to distract you. It's a battle to keep your mind on God. If you have to pray, pray. Lord, help me to keep my mind on you. Because when you focus on the Lord, you begin to see the abilities of your God. 
you begin to see that God has actually delivered people from the same problem you're going through before. In fact, when you hear other people's testimonies of what God has delivered them from, you will know that yours is a child's play. You know, when we're in a trouble, when we're in trouble, when we're in a situation, there is a tendency to assume that yours is the worst in the world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Say, ah, my own problem, ah! But when you listen to others, you start dancing. The Lord, <laughs> even though this one has not gone away, but I think I, I have every reason to praise you. That, that my own situation is not like that brother's situation. But even in that brother's situation, you showed yourself strong and faithful and you delivered him. And if you ever delivered anyone before, you're going to deliver me as well. Can I have an amen? Nobody looks to God and returns ashamed. You might be ashamed before looking to God. But the moment you really look to God, shame has to disappear. He's the God of glory. The glory is the antidote to shame. I've said this years and years and years. The glory of God is the antidote to shame. So when you look to him in his word, when you look to him in the place of prayer, I tell you, you will encounter God and shame will have to disappear. In Psalm 37 verse 19, the Bible says, they will not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. They will not be ashamed. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. I love the, uh, the NLT. NLT says they will not be disgraced in hard times. So somebody has threatened that disgrace is coming into your life. Don't listen to what they have said. Turn to the word of God. Sit down with the word of God. Meditate on that one verse. Psalm 37 verse 19. Lord, you said in your word, I will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, I will have more than enough. This is a hard time. Lord, let me not be disgraced according to your word. And God and his word are same. He will come through for you and he will honor his word in your life. Can I have an amen to that? The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 1 to 3. Shame is far from those who look to God and put their trust completely in him. Shame is always far from those who look to God and put their trust completely in him. In Romans 10, 11, the Bible says, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let me ask you, church, and I want, by a show of hand, I want to see how many people believe in God. How many of you believe in God this morning? If you don't believe in him, don't worry. Just put your hand down. But you believe in God. Now, so you are the people the Bible is talking to. He said, for the scripture saith. I thank God didn't say, for the scripture said. He said, for the scripture saith. So the scripture is still speaking till today. And what is the scripture speaking? He said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Is that talking about you? Is that talking to you this morning? And so you will not be ashamed in the name of Jesus. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. It said the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust him. If you're in trouble, let the Lord be your stronghold. I know what I'm saying. These days are very tough. And if you're still calculating, my dad, my mom, my uncle, my auntie, my rich cousin, you're going you're, you're gonna to be disappointed. Everybody's going through stuff. Every, nowhere, there's no way you turn to that somebody doesn't have a story to tell. But if you turn to the Lord, he knows how to meet you at the point of your needs. He knows how to supply. Heaven is not going through depression right now, baby. <laughs> May I let you know that there is no depression in heaven. 
whether economic depression or mental depression, there's nothing like that in heaven. Heaven is full of the glory of God. And so if you turn to the God of heaven, he will release his glory into your situation. He's a strong God in the day of trouble. But the Bible says he knows those that trust in him. So if you're not trusting, start trusting. If you're faking the trust, ask him to help you. There was a time I was struggling. I said, Lord, you know, I'm struggling with trusting you. And I, was very, I had a very open conversation with God. Lord, you know, if I say I'm trusting you now, you know where, it is, you know where, where, where I am in my walk with you. So help me. Help to undergird my faith. Help to, 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 to firm up my steps. The Bible says you, you set their steps on the rock. So set my steps on the rock. Let it be firm. Help me. I'm struggling in my trust in you. Because I was dealing with the enormity of my situation and trying at the same time to stay focused on my faith. So there are times in life that our faith can be rocked. Our faith can be challenged. But be open to God. And he's a good father. Philippians 1.20 says, in nothing shall I be ashamed. I pray for you, everyone, this morning. In nothing will you be ashamed in Jesus' name. Amen. Having said that, I want to say that there are situations in our lives that seem impossible, look impossible, and smell impossible. They seem impossible from afar. When you take a closer look, they look impossible. And when you come closer to smell them, they smell impossible. I want to say to you this morning that you'll be doing yourself a favor. By acknowledging early enough that your limitations are not God's limitations. Your limitations are not God's limitations. God doesn't have any limits. In Isaiah 54 verse 4, it says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of, the, of thy youth, and shalt not re remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. The way I've read this scripture over the years, listen, this is my own rendition. I say, fear not, Fred, for you shall not be ashamed. I'm speaking to myself. Neither will you be confounded, Fred, for you shall not be put to shame, for you shall forget the shame of your past and shall not remember the reproach of any negative experience you have been through. It speaks about widowhood. I'm a man. I can't be a widow. <laughs> so I put it as, I will not remember the reproach of any negative experience I've been through anymore. Does life promise that you won't go through negative experiences? No. Life is not a bed of roses. Even if it were, roses have thorns. But one thing the Bible guarantees is that in all that we go through, in all the afflictions and troubles and dark times, God will deliver us. He said in Psalm 34 and verse 19, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the, the Lord delivers him out of them all. That you are righteous doesn't mean you won't go through afflictions. Some people misjudge you when you go through afflictions. They say because you are vaccinated. They say you are going through afflictions because you have entered into sin. As if they were there. Say nobody should be going through that kind of thing except they are living in sin. Now, I want to say to those of you that judge other people. Please, keep your judgment to yourselves. You don't know what people are going through. You, don't, you can't explain what, what happens and, and why what happened happened. So please, keep quiet. The Bible says that the afflictions of the righteous, he didn't say the afflictions of the wicked. The afflictions of the wicked, that one is a separate package. But for the righteous, there are also afflictions. But the good thing is that God will deliver them out of all the afflictions. He will never leave you in trouble. 
In Psalm 91 and verse 15, he says, shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I know you can do everything. In Psalm 62 verse 11, the psalmist said, once has, this, once has God spoken, twice have I had this, that power belonged to God. I love the way Job puts it in Job 42 and verse 2. He says, I know you can do everything and no thought is withheld from you. I know you can do everything. You can do everything. Is there anything you cannot do? Job said, I know you can do everything. When he was saying this, he was still in his affliction. But his affliction was about to be turned around. In that same chapter 42, his affliction, his situation was about to experience a turnaround. But the first thing that happened to Job was that he had a turnaround of mentality. He had a turnaround of his faith. And so he declared his faith openly. He said, I know you can do everything. I know it. I know it. I know it. My mind is full of possibilities. There is no room for impossibility where you are concerned. I know you, not me, but you. I might not be able to do certain things, but I know you can do everything. In this series, I, I, I want to, by the help of the Holy Ghost, move us to a point where our thinking will change. Because until your thinking changes, your life cannot change. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7, he says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Look, church, a man or a woman cannot grow beyond their thinking faculty. You can't grow beyond your thought life. Everything great begins with a thought. And one of the jobs of the devil is to keep us thinking small, thinking negative. Why do we go into, into depression? Thoughts. Thoughts. Nobody goes into depression because somebody just showed up and pointed a gun in your head. No. The devil fired a thought. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. As a matter of fact, you're on your own. You greeted that sister this morning. She didn't respond. That's just a sign they don't like you in this church, just like they don't like you in your family. Extended family members, how many of them called you on your birthday? These are just thoughts in your head. That's the job of the devil. You need to rise above that kind of thought, that kind of thought pattern. And come up with your own thought pattern from the word of God. That even if nobody called me on my birthday, I'm still loved of God. I'm loved of God. And look, listen, there are many who love me. Thoughts. And in the realm of thoughts, words are higher. So when you want to fight negative thoughts, you need to fight them with words. And you cannot fight them with empty words, otherwise it will be empty. You need to fight them with the word of God. So let your words be taken from the word of God. Let the word of God be your word. Homologio, what God has said. Homologio is a Greek word that means saying the same thing or saying what has been said. Homo, homo meaning one, logio or logiao meaning spoken, spoken word. So, when you homologio what God has said, it means you are saying what God has said. You will, that way, kill negative thoughts. When you are down, check it. Why are you down? Sometimes it's not because you don't have money. So, why do rich people commit suicide? I mean, if a poor man commits suicide, you can say, oh, he's owing people a lot of money, so he committed suicide. How about a multi-multi-billionaire? How about those American pop stars? Multiple award, Grammy, Grammy award winners, celebrated all over the world. One stream of their music 
millions of U.S. dollars in their account, yet wake up in the middle of the night and take up their lives. They kill themselves in their hotel room. Why does that happen? Thoughts. And because they are not empowered. They are not empowered to rise above those thoughts. A lot of people do self-affirmation these days. I laugh. It's good to do self-affirmation. Your affirmation will only be potent, will only be effective if it is taken from the word of God. If it is taken from motivational talks, my friend, you are wasting your time. When trouble comes, motivation cannot help anybody. It will not even help the motivational speaker. Are you with me, church? Nothing can replace the potency and the power of the word of God. Nobody can replace the place of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit minister thoughts to you. When you sit with your Bible, is the author. is there to explain the word of God to you and to give you what you need for time. It is called the rhema. The rhema of the word. The word you need, the spoken word you need for time. When he gives you the rhema and you speak it out, angels go into action. They follow that. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye is angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. You add voice to the word of God. He gives you the word, you add your voice to it. Angels hearken. Angels go into action. That is their command. Don't waste your time on motivational tips. Sit down with the word of God. I want to tell you, church, there is no room anymore in the realm of the spirit for lazy people. In the days in which we live, everybody is feeling this pressure. From the president to the peasant. From the general overseer to the first timer. <laughs> the challenges of our days have no regard for any office. So, if you choose to be spiritually lazy, you would watch yourself on the spot. In fact, you'll be declining. Don't watch your life decline. Don't watch your destiny go down the drain. Don't watch your life spiral out of control. And you become a spectator in the event of your life. Come on, get up. Move to the front burner of your life. Cooperate with God, 1 Corinthians 3.9. Be a co-builder, a joint worker with God to build a destiny that will last. Because with him, nothing is impossible. Can I have an Amen. Your background is irrelevant to God. Your background. What people celebrate is irrelevant to God. <laughs> God sees differently. And the earlier we learn to see life from God's perspective, the better for us. God sees differently. God has his own perspective about life and about things. And the earlier we get into him, get into his spirit, and look at life from his perspective, the better for us. We see impossible. But when you present the word impossible before God, you know what God sees? I'm possible. Actually, every situation that says impossible, 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 if you look at it from the, from the spectrum of the word of God, from the glasses of the word of God, from the mirror of the word of God, what you will read is I'm possible. So everything staring you in the face today, telling you impossible, 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 is actually telling you impossible, impossible, impossible. If only you can exercise your faith. If only you can see through God's perspectives. I'll give you two examples of impossible, seemingly impossible situations in the Bible. 
And that's where we close for today. Mama Sarah. The woman was termed barren. And was still, she reached menopause. <laughs> you know, sometimes I figure that um, God waits until our situation graduates from the difficult stage and reaches the impossible stage before he steps in. Why? To the intent that no flesh should glory in his presence. Because he alone deserves all the glory. Go to Genesis 18 and verse 1. Genesis 18 and verse 1. Let me explain that quickly. Genesis 18 and verse 1. Media, can you put that on the screen for me? Good. All right, so let's read, everybody. Look into your Bible or look at the screen. Genesis 18. Pastor is in Exodus. Sorry. Genesis 18 and verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him, that's unto Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Are you feeling the heat, everybody? Okay, good. So, the Lord appeared to Abraham in the heat of the day. The Lord is appearing to you right now in the name of Jesus. I, I, when I saw that, I laughed. I said, oh, this is good for this moment. The heat of the day. And if you're in a cold country, may it be hot. Verse 9, so that the Lord can appear to you. Verse 9, and they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, now, this scripture, if you spend time to meditate on it, has the tendency to change your life. The Bible says three men appeared to Abraham. In verse 9, no, in verse, verse 8, let me check verse 8, no, 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 no. So three men appeared to him. Now, so what you will find is, in some verses, like verse 9, it says, and they said. In other verses, like in verse 10, you will find, and he said. Why they said? He said. Three men appeared. The Lord was in the midst of them. Can I have an amen to that? So verse 9, and they said, the three of them, where is Sarah, your wife? Then Abraham said, behold, in the tent. Then in verse 10, and he said, I thought they should continue by saying, they said. He said, and he said, now the Lord was the one speaking right here. I will certainly, not probably, not possibly, not most likely, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. The Lord said that. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. What is the manner of women? Women, when they are still in their productive years, go through what they call a menstrual cycle. They have monthly period, a monthly menstruation. That is to show an egg is being released. I mean, you medical people, you know more than I do in that area. But I do know that when the woman is still menstruating, it means that she can be, she can be pregnant. She has the tendency to be pregnant. But Mama Sarah 
had reached menopause. It had ceased to be with her after the manner of women. She was no longer menstruating. And that was the time the Lord said she was going to have a son. Why wouldn't she laugh? I mean, all this while, I was menstruating. I was releasing eggs every month. I was hoping that fertilization would take place. I was hoping that um, a zygote would be formed and would graduate, graduate into an embryo. And then uh, some, after some weeks, you know, we have some, um, the first trimester, the second trimester, and then the third trimester. Sounds like semester. And um, we're going to have a baby. We're going to push, and then the child will come, and then everybody would gather, and then we'll eat uh, Ghana jollof or, or Nigerian jollof, Right? But the Lord didn't show up all of that time when the woman was still agile, strong, productive. The Lord didn't show up. Why would the Lord wait for her to reach the stage where the situation was now impossible? And really, if you look into the word of God and sometimes you look into your life, you will discover that it's part of God's modus operandi. That it would watch when our situation is difficult and we pray, 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 fast, 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 give, sow, do everything, you're in church, you're serving the ministry, you're giving your talent, you're doing everything, you're praying, and you're not committing sin. Yet, your situation gets worse. That is the situation going from difficult to impossible. I mean, a difficult situation is already difficult. God, why don't you just come through? And some of us graduate from even praying to begging. Begging God, God, please, I beg. Anybody ever beg God here? <laughs> oh my God, I thought I was the only one. I mean, you go to a point where, okay, now I've used my faith, all right? I've quoted the scriptures, all right? I've said my confessions, all right? I've fasted even. I decreed fasting myself. God, you know, I actually fasted. You didn't tell me to fast. I fasted. And in fact, I emptied my account, put it in church account. I did all the things that the church and Pastor Fred taught us to do. And nothing seemed to happen. In fact, things seemed to get worse. And then you now got to that point where you became very humble. And you came to the Lord and removed your glasses and said, Lord, I wasn't born with glasses. Can I talk to you face to face? I just want to beg you. <laughs> God, I beg. I just, this exam, just let me, let me just pass it. I'm not looking for A. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You know that particular course? I'm not asking for a B. If I ask for that, it's an you. A you is over Sabi or overdue. I'm not, I know you're Jehovah overdue. I'm not asking for that. No, I'm just asking for mercy. Mercy. Anybody has ever asked God for mercy before? Say, Lord, just, just mercy. Just, just mercy. To let me go. Like you said to Moses to go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. Go. God, I beg you. I just want to beg. Let me let you know that God doesn't want you to beg. He is willing to do that thing even more than you are willing to receive. It's difficult to believe sometimes. No, pastor, I, I honestly have done everything. Sometimes you, you just are not in faith. You think you're in faith, but you're in mental ascent. Mental ascent is very close to faith and it's very dangerous. 
You, mental ascent says, I know God can do it. I know he will do it. I know he has the capacity, but I'm not sure he wants to do it for me. Because you're not sure God wants to do it for you, that's why you beg. I've been young. Now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. Psalm 37 verse 25. But why does God watch our situation go from difficult? I mean, this couple was already struggling. Abraham was old. Couldn't perform like he would when he was a much younger man. Sarah had reached menopause. When they were both younger, they, they enjoyed sex. They enjoyed everything as a couple. And, and they did all that they, all the styles in the world. And young people do styling stuff. They think they've just invented uh, something new. I haven't invented anything. You, all the styles you know in your head now, you met them in the world. Sometimes you think you know better than your parents or you know better than the older generation when it comes to sex. How did you get here? You fell off a mango tree, boom, and on the eighth day you were named. Oh, we got a baby from a mango tree. Somebody had sex with somebody. You don't like to hear that, but somebody had sex with somebody. That's how you got here. Can I have an amen? So stop acting like you're the next best, the, the next best thing after the invention of a bicycle. Abraham and Sarah did everything, all the styles, everything, 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 everything you can think of, and the ones you can't think of, but no child. Sometimes people think that because they, are, they can display their sexual prowess, that's why babies are made. I give you that child. Your husband can talk to the wife like that. I gave you. I, I, I donated my Y chromosome, and that's why we have a boy. Sir, there are men who have donated all the chromosomes and the wives keep coming up with girls. And like one of my, <laughs> and there are some who think, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a he-man. I'm a he-man. All the babies are girls. And some, I, I'm, 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 I just, I just, I'm in charge. I'm, I'm, I'm a professor of genetics. And you have all boys. Sir, what happened to your X chromosome? It is God that gives children. Are you with me? The Bible says that the fruit of the womb is his reward. It is for you to have sex. It is for him to bring a reward. Are you, are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Abraham and Sarah already had a difficult situation. In fact, it was so difficult that they, they were so rich, they had a lot of slaves in their home, servants. Eliezer and the rest of them. And those ones were getting married. Abraham and Sarah were sponsoring the weddings. And those ones underneath their nose were giving birth. Do you, do you know how, how difficult that can be? Do you know what it means when you are coaching everybody? Everybody you finish secondary school with. You coach them. You coach them. You train them. They all went in. Boom. Blasted their wire once. Boom. Blasted jump once. They're in 200 level now. 300 level. And you're still writing jump. And they bring their friends from uni and say, man, this guy taught me chemistry. He taught me organic chemistry. Man, I thank God for him. And the guy is still struggling with jam. You're on a spot and the people that you trained are moving ahead of you. That's a difficult situation. 
God didn't show up when we thought he would. Listen to me. It doesn't show up on your timetable. It shows up in his own time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Yours is to stay in faith. Yours is to continue in faith. He will show up when he will. For he that shall come, shall come. And he shall not tarry. Even though he tarries, wait for him. For he shall surely come and shall not tarry. Can I have an amen to that? So stop sweating. Stop stressing your life. Keep walking by faith. Don't backslide because that job has not yet manifested. Don't backslide because you're not yet in a relationship. You, not yet. Not yet. In his own time, he makes all things beautiful. He's preparing the man like he's preparing you as well. God was there all the while. Mother Sarah was menstruating. Yet he did nothing about it. God was there the day she reached menopause. I'm sure that day she signed out and said, well, uh, maybe I'll, I'll just be a spiritual mother to all the children that are born in my house. Even Father Abraham went before the Lord and said, Lord, behold, I go childless and the heir of my house will be this Eliezer, this one that was born in my house. And God said, no, I'm going to give you a child from your own loins that will be your heir. And nothing happened, even after God made the promise. Then the situation went from difficult and degenerated, as it were, into the impossible. The moment Sarah reached menopause, naturally, it's impossible. Am I making sense? Medical student, am I making sense? Where are the nurses this morning? Are they in church? Nurses, am I making sense? Impossible. Let me tell you this. Stage one is difficult. Stage two is impossible. And at that impossible stage, many die. Many give up their faith. Many give up on God. Many backslide. Because naturally, it's impossible. But if they would only wait and persevere, there is another stage. Stage two is not the terminal stage. There is a third stage. And that stage three is called miracle. Somebody say miracle. That's the stage of impossible is nothing. And may you get there in the name of Jesus. I don't know what your own particular situation is, but whatever it is, you will see a miracle. If you're in church, can you give a better amen? amen. Genesis 18. In verse 12, the Bible says, therefore Sarah laughed within herself. <laughs> it's called the laughter of derision. You know when you laugh, you're like, no answer. That kind of laughter. You know when Pastor looks at you and says, By this time next year, you'll be a multimillionaire. <laughs> This pastor says, <laughs> all these pastors, he doesn't even know I'm in 200 level. How can somebody now be in 200 level and then become a multimillionaire? Next year, I'll be in 300 level, Joe. Laughter of derision. Sarah laughed within us. She didn't laugh out. She laughed within herself. She laughed inside. 
but heaven captured it. Uh, in fact, she didn't just laugh. She laughed saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, and the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I have a shorty be a child which I'm, which I'm old? She laughed. She said something. The Lord saw the laughter. The Lord heard what, what she said. Then the Lord asked this question in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This was the first time God was going to ask this question in the Bible. Before he asked in Jeremiah 32. This is called the principle of first mention. Young ministers, I hope you're listening. This is called the principle of first mention. The first time a particular concept or a particular word or phrase is mentioned in the Bible. You need to go and study the circumstances surrounding it. That's why I'm taking my time to sweat explaining this this morning. It was the first time God showed up on the scene and said, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It may be too hard for you, but is it for the Lord? Are you the Lord? Are you the Lord? Did you make yourself the one that made you, who's got your spare parts, even though some parts are no longer functioning in your body, the one that can replace them shows up. Stop arguing with God. God did not create you to argue with him. He created you to believe him. Only believers see miracles. Some people, even if God showed up physically in their room, they will still argue with God. I met some very funny people like that. Very funny. Uh, Pastor, we know, even though the Bible says this, but in reality, excuse me, the Bible is my own reality. Today, we have a generation of people who are pointing out errors from the Bible. Actually, that comma was not supposed to be there. Actually, that, like, the semicolon was supposed to be a semicolon. Actually, the, the writer of that book did not get the interpretation accurately. Actually, <sighs> the gospel is so simple, it takes an expert to confuse you. I don't need any expert to confuse me. You see this one that I'm still trying to understand. Let me stay with it because it is working. Can I have an amen? It is producing results in my life. I don't need your expert opinion on the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. God repeated what he said in verse 10. He repeated it verbatim. Once has he spoken, twice have I heard. In this case, God said it twice. This is a covenant. Anything he says twice is a mark of the covenant. Number two is the number of the covenant in the Bible. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh. Covenant of marriage. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let him be a nice man. Let him be a philanthropist. If he's not born again, he's a covenant. He can't see the kingdom of God. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground on which you're standing. is holy ground. That ground is holy. So take it off. Moses, Moses. Abraham, Abraham, stay thy hand for the, I, I found myself a ram in the thicket. Don't kill that boy. And God showed him 
a ram in the thicket. It's settled. It's established. For that, the dream was doubled twice unto Pharaoh. Joseph said to Pharaoh, he said, because it's a thing that is established by God and God will surely bring it to pass. When he shows you anything twice, it's a sign of the covenant. It's a sign. It has been established and it will come to pass. Are you with me, church? Somebody getting blessed this morning? Sarah quickly denied. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't laugh. I laughed not. God said, shut up! Because she was afraid. God said, nay, nay. My pardon, Sarah. You lie. Don't lie. Stop lying. But thou did lie. In fact, King James said, thou didst laugh. You didst laugh. You can't lie to God. God is the truth. And when you are Because she was afraid. Why was she afraid? She didn't know God captured the laughter and God captured what she said. Ah! You know when you're shocked because you've been found out. I drove up to a car wash a couple of weeks ago. I was coming from the mechanic place. So my car was already very dirty. Very dirty. The mechanic workshop was in Akwete. That water, the, the parts that wasn't tarred. So in and out, dusty. In fact, I managed to hold the steering. I managed to sit. As I drove up into a car wash, And that car was looking very rough and dirty. And looking like a jalopy. So I got down from the car. I heard everything he said. He didn't know. I said, well, I for the 1,000. Nobody for the 1,000. What are they more here? Oh, the cars. Ah! Oh, no. Oh, no. And then the other guy was laughing at him. I said, I heard everything you said. So I got him to wash the gas. I said, how much do you normally charge? I gave him one five. I repeated everything he said. And when I was done, when he was done, and I'll give him extra money, like 500 extra. The guy was in shock till I left. I said, don't worry, I'll come back later and come and play with you. With the intent of preaching the gospel. He's a Muslim. With the intent of preaching the gospel. I've made friends with him already. Um, very quickly this morning, let's go to, let me finish this up. I'm in Genesis uh, 18. I want to get to verse 18. That's where I'm going to stop. Genesis 18, I want to stop at verse 18. So, then Sarah denied saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou did laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall become, shall surely become a great and mighty nation. He didn't have a child, but God said he will become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Can I have an amen to that? Until today, we are all blessed in Abraham. Go to Genesis 21. What God promised, did he now fulfill it? Genesis 21. Let's see the fulfillment. And the Lord, verse 1, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said in Genesis 18. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken a year before. Because God said, according to the time of life, that according to the time of life, a woman is pregnant. How many months? Come on, talk to me. How many months? Nine months. So this was a year after. 
The Bible said the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Has God said anything concerning your life? May God visit you. May God do for you what he has promised to do in the name of Jesus. Verse 2, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time, I love that, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. For somebody listening to me this morning, this is your set time for a breakthrough. This is your set time for a miracle. This is your set time for the next level with God. And you will get there. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. A child was born to a man that was a hundred years old. Hundreds. Hundreds. Because impossible is nothing. And Sarah said, this got me years ago, and it's still getting me till today. God has made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. God will make you to laugh this season. Your laughter will go beyond this season. You will laugh out loud. You will laugh long. And you will laugh last. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham, who would have believed that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Who would have said to Abraham. <laughs> and the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will do things in your life this season that people would look at you and say, who would have said that you could ever become like this? Who would have said that you would ever be this great? Who would have said that you would have ever been, that you, have, you would ever become this successful? with you. Mm, there are certain things God does in your life. Even your enemies, they will be forced to laugh with you. The laughter might not come from their belly, but because it's a season of rejoicing and there are people around you rejoicing, they will be forced to also say, <laughs> uh, whether it is genuine or not, they are laughing. Can I have an amen? Mm, God knows how to force laughter out of people. All that hear what God will do in this season, in this church, will laugh with us. The man of God, Tony, Tony Evans, someone I love, I, I listen to him time and again, speaks about prayer a lot. Man given to prayer and to the word of God. He made a profound statement that marked me. He said, sometimes God allows you to hit rock bottom. You know what it means to hit rock bottom? Going down, 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 down to you. He said, God allows you to hit rock bottom. Why? So that you will discover that he is the rock at the bottom. Ever dependable God. There is no situation that is hopeless for a child of God. Nothing is impossible for a child of God. Because it is not impossible for the God you serve. That was why he asked that question in Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord. Yad Hevave, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me. It might be too difficult for your parents, but not for the Lord. Let me give you one more situation and we close for today. 
Israel faced an impossible situation. But this time it was a life-threatening impossibility. Some impossible situations are not life-threatening. Like the one I just described, Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't life-threatening, even though it wasn't good, because it will show that their posterity would not continue. But it wasn't life-threatening, directly life-threatening. But there are some impossibilities that are life-threatening. Israel faced one as they were finally regaining their freedom from Pharaoh after 430 years. Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. God performed many wonders. Eventually, through the strong and mighty hand of God, Pharaoh said, okay, now you can go. Go, please. After their firstborn, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, every firstborn was killed. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat upon the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner in the dungeon to the firstborn of the cattle. By that mighty hand, by that divine stroke, Pharaoh said, go, go, please pray for me also. And as they were going, there was crying, serious crying and wailing all over the land of Egypt that night because there was not a house where there was not at least one dead. It was a judgment even upon the gods of Egypt. Egypt at that time was serving 2,000 gods. There was a judgment upon each of them. And while they were riding, while the children of Israel were actually walking, and they were going and they approached the Red Sea, Red Sea was in front of them. They all of a sudden heard horses and chariots galloping towards them from behind. They look back and say, who is the na-na-na-na that is following us here? And it was Pharaoh. And his best, his best hands in warfare, his captains and the soldiers. See, ah, ah. you have said we should go. What are you looking for again? Then the people turned to Moses. Now you have brought us to perdition. You should, you should have allowed us to stay back. She beat the man, didn't kill us. He was still giving us food. Now he's coming to kill us now. For them to run forward, they couldn't run forward because they were faced with Red Sea. How do we cross this sea, oh God? We can't go forward. We can't go backward. It was an impossible situation. And it was a life-threatening situation. Like a damning report from a doctor who says... We have seen this carcinoma. This case is terrible. This is stage four. And it's a terminal stage. And according to the books, this person has only six months to live. It's an impossible situation. And, oh, I tell you, many have been given reports like that and they died. Because the cancer degenerated from stage to stage. In fact, they got to stage four, the terminal stage, and then boom, after some time they died. But there are people also who have got the same kind of report and they've survived it. Mama Dodie Austin. That's the mother of Pastor Joel Austin in Lakewood Church, America. In 1981, December, was diagnosed of metastatic cancer of the liver. Metastatic means it had metastasized, which means that spread. She was given about two weeks or so to live. 
In fact, they told her that chemo would not even help, that chemotherapy was not, was not an option. It was a dark day. She had a son, Paulostin, who was a medical student at the time. And being a medical student, you know, as a medical student, you know all the statistics, you know all the figures, you know everything. You know the diagnosis and the prognosis. The young man left the mother's ward, the mother's room in the hospital, walked down the hallway and cried and wept bitterly. Because according to the books, his mom was a goner. But according to the almighty God, who is he that speaks? And it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it. Do you know that this woman turned to the Lord? Of course, at first the entire family was devastated. They cried. She was married to John Austin. John Austin was one of the uh, preachers of the word of faith. Word of faith. Word of faith preachers. Back in the day, he was in the same league with Papa Kenneth again. Kenneth again. Uh, um, T. L. Osborne. Uh, um, John Austin and some of them, some of the other people in their group. Even Papa Kenneth Copeland was junior to them. He was in the same class as Aura Roberts. And his wife was diagnosed with this. It was a dark time. Even living God anyway. They refer to him as the man upstairs. Uh, maybe the man upstairs can hear you. If he does, yeah, beautiful. But according to them, this woman... Christmas was coming. They got into their family car. And as they were driving home, everybody was crying. Everybody was crying. Father, mother, children. Everybody was crying. Christmas was looking dark. What kind of Christmas was this going to be? In America, they don't joke with Christmas. Even in Nigeria, we don't joke with Christmas. <laughs> if all over the world, nobody jokes with Christmas. Some don't call it Christmas anymore. They say happy holidays. Whatever they call it. They drove home. Let me tell you one of the things she did. Apart from turning to the Lord for help, she said, I chose to forgive everybody. She wrote letters to people who had offended her to let them know that she had forgiven them. She wrote letters also to people that she had offended. To say, please forgive me. To free her heart. Then she now wrote letters to her own children in the house. Because she believed that because of her condition, she was inconveniencing them. And sometimes she would lash out on them. You know, out of frustration. When there's an internal struggle, there's a tendency that you do what they call, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? Transferred aggression. So she wrote to her children. Please find it in your heart to forgive me. And the children came together and hugged and said, Mama, we're not taking any offense. And blessed is that person that is surrounded by people of faith. Every day, her husband and her children going out and coming in will point to her and say, Mom, you're healed. Another one will say, by stripes, you're healed. They're going to school. By stripes, you're healed. Mom, I love you. And they go. And when they come back, they hug and say, Mom, you're healed. Everything she was hearing was healed, 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 morning, afternoon, night, healed, healed, healed. Then she began to say, look, I'm healed. If I'm healed, then I don't need to lie down here and be expecting death to come. So let me get up and, and clean the house. Let me get up and do the dishes. Let me get up and try to prepare my family a meal. It was difficult 
But she did it all the same because she would not allow herself to be pitied. You are meant to be envied, not to be pitied. Are you with me, child of God? Stop writing people to pity you. Pity my condition. May you never be in a condition to be pitied. You are an enviable flyer. As you fly in these dark times, your friends will envy you and show them it is Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. How are you doing it? Christ. Church, we can't explain what happened. Of course, many people prayed. All the fathers of faith, they came and prayed over her. She has prayed with her husband. The husband prayed. Children prayed. But the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Thank God for congregational prayer. But in the day of trouble, your faith, your own faith, is important. Behold, his soul which is lifted up in him is not upright, but the just shall live by his faith. Thank God your dad is a pastor, but you live by your faith. Not by your daddy's faith. Are you with me, church? This woman turned to the Bible and she began to feast and to meditate on healing scriptures and she began to write them out. The ones that spoke to her heart the most, she wrote them out. She wrote them out. In fact, at the end of the day, she published a book titled Delivered from Cancer. I bought that book. I went to America. Just maybe $10 or $20. Mini book. I bought the book. And I've used the book for many, many people. I've given them, you know, whatever. That woman is still alive today. A woman given two weeks to live. 1981. 1981 till date sounds to me like 43. It's going to be 43 years this December. Impossible is nothing. With God. Impossible is nothing. With God. I mean, to satisfy my curiosity, when I traveled to that church to, to the U.S. 2015, I deliberately landed in Houston, Texas. I lived in, in Houston a couple of days. I mean, the way God arranged it for me, I lived with a young man whose house was just about three, three, five minutes from the church, trekking. So I would just walk from the house, no service, I would just walk to the church. I just wanted to go there. I'll go to the library and look at all, that was where I found all the materials and I bought some, I picked, picked, picked and then bought some. If I bought some Tommy Hilfiger shoes at that time, I'm sure by now I won't know where the rags are. But I still have the books. This year, invest in books. Good books. If you don't know what books to invest, come and see me for consultation. I'll tell you. So don't don't buy every book. There are some books that will turn you crazy. A young man was reading Bible, reading Quran, and reading Grail Message books. And I said to him, this will turn you mad. You will actually be literally mad. You will go demented. You will have psychosis. I said, I know because there are spirits that back up these things you are reading. No, oh, no. It's just for enlightenment. And he had a lot of money. That time he had more money than me. And so he would not listen. He's mad now. He's not only mad. He's begging now to eat. He had a good job at the time. He had a job with a multinational in this country. All of a sudden, he will just be going to work late and he will see children going to school. He will pick them up, go and drop them in their school. Somebody going to work. I am not exaggerating. We were living together in Ashi at the time. He will pick up children from Ashi, take them to Bodija in their school and then now face challenge, his place of work. He could take some children to 
just, just take them anywhere. Anywhere they were going. He started losing it. Then he started driving his car on deflated tires. I said, how can you be driving deflated tires? Signs that he was going mad. He got to work one day and looked at one of his colleagues, if a woman, said, if I see you again in my dream, I will machete. I will use machete to cut you into pieces. I don't want to mention the company. The company is a multinational in this country. If I mention the company, it's a company you all know. He started suspecting everybody. Everybody, every woman turned out to be a witch. You can't kill a cockroach around him. Ah, no, the cockroach you cannot create. Why are you killing it? Where is that coming from? That's coming from Islam. Somebody once argued with me. He said, you Christians, you commit sins every time. I said, how? He said, you, you don't even ask God for, for forgiveness of sin. I said, how? He said, don't you know that when you are ironing in your clothes and there is an ant on your clothes, according to their own book, you should not kill it. You should remove it and let it just be going on its own. But if you iron, ah, hot iron on the ant, ah, you have committed a big sin. You must say, ask Agafrula. I said, oh, really? So those of us that use insecticide, that's, that's, what do you call that? Mass killing, right? What do you call mass killing? <laughs> Massacre. So our Asker Gafru libels until we pass out. Look at the way they think. The way they think is different from the way we think. And I, I have very good Muslim friends. You know what I do for them? I pray for them. And I preach Christ to them. Many of them are nicer than my Christian friends. Many of them will go to any length to help you when you're in trouble. They are more dependable. They are more loyal as friends. But heaven is not full of loyal people. Heaven is not full of kind people. Heaven is full of saved people. Verily, verily, I see unto you, except a man be born again cannot see the kingdom of God. So I want to plead with you. Those of you that have unbeliever friends, Muslim, traditionalists, all of them, pray for them. Then reach out to them with the love of God. Don't go and judge them. Otherwise, they are are ready. They are battle ready because they are used to us condemning them. So when you come with your gospel of, whoa, if you are not born, you go to hell. We are already in hell. With all this going on in our country. So, there's no other hell. What else do you say? Are you with me, church? I'm not happy that that guy has lost it. Eventually, he lost his job. He will go late. He will go at nine sometimes. They served him query. I went to the HR of his place of work. They gave us all the queries that they had served him. He didn't even respond. Until he lost the job and lost everything. And today, he's on the internet begging, begging, begging. I want to survive. Help me. This is my account. He won't even wait for you to respond. He will just send one single message, put the account details there. And this guy was earning good money. At some point, he was a PA to the son of one of the, one of the top five billionaires in Nigeria. I'm not talking million, I'm talking about billionaires. And that young man was running his father's business. And this guy I'm talking about was his PA. Made a 2-1 in political science. University of Lagos. Smart guy. But you know what turned his head? Books. Came to the senior pastor one time with some books on light. He said, when you read them, you have light. Say, hey, you went to senior pastor? 
to see the kind of light that you are enjoying. Oh, what, what a darkness. But you know what? I'm not going to stop there. I'll be here tomorrow to pray. Those of you that will come and pray with me, we'll lift him up before God as our prayer project, that God will reach him where he is, because impossible is nothing. That God will invade his heart with the light of the love of God, and that he will become born again, again, in Jesus' name. This was somebody who had preached the gospel before. In fact, once ministered at the Expression House. So when I talk to you guys sometimes, and I'm sweating like this, I know what I'm saying. When I'm begging some of you, say, don't go this way. I know people who have gone this way. What, what do you want to do? They are mad today. People who have, trekked, who, have, who have taken this direction, they have wound up in failure. This is the way. Walk in it. You better listen. I'm not a theoretical preacher. I'm not a motivational speaker. That's why my English is not posh. May I give it to you? Raw! The word of God. Because this has a tendency to transform your life. Oh, let's wrap this up. Exodus 14. In the next seven minutes, I want to wrap this up so we can pray. Exodus 14. Okay, thank you for being gracious. They put 10 minutes mistakenly. Exodus 14. Don't change it. Why did you change it? 10 minutes. Be generous. Exodus 14, quickly. From verse 13, we'll go all the way, all the way to 31. And we're going to stop here for today. We'll take it off from there next week. Exodus 14 from verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. Look at your Bible or look at the screen. Let's read. Make sure you're reading. One to go. And Moses said unto the Lord, fear ye not. Sorry, I said unto the Lord. I can't say unto the Lord, fear ye not. <laughs> you people, I love the Lord so much. Out of the abundance of the earth, the mouth speaks. Please, let's go again. One to go. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which it will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. For how long? Forever. Verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you. Oh, one person came to church. <laughs> I said, the Lord shall fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ, why are you crying to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. The Lord is saying to the expression as go forward. And in the month of March, we are marching forward. I have a series for that already. And we are going to be doing some practical things. We are going to be having some practical sessions. I'm excited already at what God is going to do this year. This year will be like none other. It will be your best year yet. I said 2024 will be your best year yet. In 2023, you were in a difficult place. And before the end of that year, you moved into an impossible place. But here is 2024. You are moving into the place of miracle. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts. Everyone threatening your life, God will get himself honor upon them. And upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. I am yad Hey vav Hey. when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Verse 19. 
and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. The angel moved, the pillar moved. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these ones, to the Israelites. So that the one came not near the other all the night. They were so close, but God did a miracle. The Egyptians were so close in catching up with the children of Israel. But God did a miracle. The angel that was going in front of them, leading them, moved from the front and stood behind them. And as he moved, the pillar of cloud also stood behind them as well. So it became darkness to the Egyptians. They couldn't see. It was night. And that same thing that gave them darkness, the same pillar gave these other people, the children of Israel, light. What a miraculous God we serve. What was the problem to one was the solution to the other. So that as he gave these ones light, they were able to travel very fast. Acceleration. He gave these ones darkness so they, they couldn't travel as fast. Deceleration. The God of acceleration is also the God of deceleration. Are you with me, church? In fact, I have scriptures to show you that this morning, but I want to wrap up. So we'll continue from the next week. Hallelujah. Did you get that illustration? Okay, good. Let's, let's wrap this up. Right, so verse uh, 20. And it, came to, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But give light by night to this. So that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. So they got to the sea now. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. It took all night. <laughs> and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. When you read the waters were divided, you don't know what that means? Water stood like a wall. On the right hand, water stood like a wall on the left. Have you ever seen water stand? Water suspended by the power of the Almighty God. How much problem do you have? In your life. That you think God cannot handle. If his power could make water stand. He can make the VC stand because of you. Whoever needs to stand. Huh? This season. Whoever needs to stand because of you. Will stand in the name of Jesus. Whoever needs to be moved away to another office. For you to make progress. Will have to be moved by the power of God. Yeah. Three people came to church. Yeah. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea. They gave them a hot chase. Even all Pharaoh's horses, all his chariots, all his horsemen, God ensured that all of them got in. Nobody spared. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. When we are wrapping up our, our service, 
we usually end it with the prophetic blessing that God gave to Moses to give to Aaron. And it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you peace. The same light of his countenance looked upon the Egyptians there and granted them trouble. The Lord looked. And they were troubled. May the Lord give that kind of look to everyone threatening your life. Just a look. Just a look. So stop praying those nonsensical prayers that they pray on the mountain. No, you don't. They say with all the power with which you are called God. You don't need, he doesn't need all that power. Just a look. Don't mess with this God. I want to beg you to come to pray. A deliverance God did for me in my mentality and in my spirit. Because, you know, I got into a situation so I really wanted to roast many people. The Lord said, you don't need to do that. Get deeper into me. Fellowship more with me. I will take care of them. That changed my life, my prayer life, my thinking. Many of you are just sweating, trying to fight stuff you don't understand. Fight people. Stop all that. Get into God. Let God take care of the enemies. These ones who are trying to assassinate the, the, the Israelites. See what happened to them eventually. See what happened to them. We're, we're going to stop now. The Lord looked at them. Where are we now? And all their hosts were troubled. Verse 25. And took off their chariot wheels. <laughs> so that they drove them heavily. Angels were involved here. Angels came down and removed their wheels. Angels were removing their tires. Imagine somebody trying to assassinate you. They are driving very fast behind you. They want to come and kill you. And angels get down and remove their tires. Oh yeah. On Lagos Bad Expressway. Come out, come out. Angels were removing the tires. Oh yeah, let's see how you go. How do you drive a car when all the tires are removed? It goes on the floor. This happened for real. Angels came from the realm of the spirit to the physical, to remove physical tires. They remove physical wheels. Which means the supernatural has force and power and authority over the natural. <laughs> oh my God. One man was troubling a particular church in Ilori Quara State. The church rented an apartment and this man, an allergy, went to another man, went to the owner of the house and said, why did you allow that church to rent a flat here to start a church. He said, they will, they will soon take over your house. They will, they will, they will not even buy the house. They will, they will possess it. You don't know those Christians? Anything they where they land like this, they possess. I said, ah, I didn't know. Said, ah, you better pay them back their money. Let them go. So trouble started. The only response of the church was to pray. That allergy that started the trouble, was traveling from Zaria to Ilone. In a 504 station wagon. You don't know 504 station wagon. 
You are too, you are, you are too posh for that. 504 station wagon has the front seat, the driver, and the passengers, then a middle seat for passengers, and then another seat at the back. The man was in the middle seat, and he was in the middle of the middle seat. They were traveling, I don't know how long, maybe 15 minutes into the journey. Most of the people had slept off. You know, when Nigerians are, you'll be here. He, he got a hot slap on his face. He woke up. He looked at the driver. It couldn't have been the driver because the driver was in front. There was no way he could have slapped him at the back. The two other passengers in front were fast asleep. The people beside him, left and right, were fast asleep. He looked behind him. They were all sleeping. Ah, uh-uh. is somebody pranking me here? So he stayed awake. Let me see the person that will try it again. What nonsense. He owe me, big man with beer beer. Few minutes into the journey. I be. What? He looked everywhere. Nobody. He said, ah, what is this? Before he recovered from that one, the other side of his face, he got five slaps on that journey. By the fifth slap, his brain connected to the problem he started. Ah! It must be the God of those who are fighting for them. He went to the landlord to go and beg, say, please leave them. He was the one that opened his mouth to see his encounter. One of my mentors, the founder of that church, the younger brother of our senior pastor, he was renting a flat, Saturday morning, and he was praying the spirit. Then he had a tenant, a co-tenant that was complaining. You are praying, pray every time. And when you are praying, you'll be doing Let us rest, though. What's how this the man said, when you are doing your own ask a lie, lie, everything lie, it's a lie. Do I disturb you? He said, eh, you call us lie, 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 you will see. You will see. Okay, no problem. We will see who we see. Reverend George, Allah Ali Adibui, continued in his prayer. One day, the man, <laughs> actually the man left the house. That tenant. He ran away. He didn't pack his belongings. He ran away. They didn't see him again. Then Reverend John now met him in the market. I followed him. Ah, he said, why are you running away now? <laughs> we are friends now. He said, we are not friends. He said, but why did you leave the house? We have not. You didn't even say goodbye. He said, how ah, can I say goodbye? Was it not you? Why you not want to chase me away? He said, how? He said, one day, when you start, you are blah, 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 said, something was lifting me on my bed. Was lifting me on my bed. I was sleeping on my bed. The thing was lifting me. He suspended me in the air. He said, I began to pray for mercy. All of a sudden, by the time he finished praying, in the name of Jesus, the man landed on the floor. He didn't wait another second. Don't joke with the God we serve. They bought one land somewhere and people came to fight them. In fact, they came to kill them on the land. I have someone that was in that prayer meeting. He said that day, Reverend John, let us out. Say, let's go and pray over the land. They bought the property for the church. They paid. But they were yet to build. And this set of people rose up against them. Say, no, we're not going to allow Christians in this community. No church will be in this community. They came with daggers, with machete, with all kinds of things. That normally when you see, you should take off. They were praying in tongues. The disciples looked at Reverend George. Reverend looked at them. Shall we run? No. Reverend did not run. If Reverend had run, they would have run. He kept praying. They were coming. When those people got to them, one of them said, the leader said, ah, wait up, wait up. Why did we come to fight these people now? 
they say, the man said, in Larubawa, they said they are speaking Larubawa, they are magnifying God. They are saying God is mighty, God is great, God is glorious, God is great. Is God not great? Is Allah not great? He said, he's great. He said, leave them. And they walked back and left them and the church built the property. I beg you, come and pray. I don't know what you're doing. 3 p.m. every Monday. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your excuse may be. Excuses are the crutches of the lazy. Come and engage God. There are many things going on in your life that you don't understand. Depression, depression. Pray it away. Pray it out. You pray what? You pray nonsense. You pray in the Holy Ghost for two hours. You can't survive and be consistent. Are you with me, church? Impossible is nothing. If you are on a medication, church, right now, and the doctors have told you, you will be on that medication for the rest of your life. I tell you, impossible is nothing. You will stop it. God will restore. God will restore your health in the name of Jesus. I got on one. I'm not telling you a story. I don't know. I got on one in, in, in August last year. And they told me, once you start it, it's for life, oh. I said, me, for life? No. No. Me and my God, we don't have that covenant. I reluctantly took the doctor's prescription to Kuliara to purchase. I came with my brother. We came. I said, let's go to church. Let's lie down here before the altar. Lord, I don't want it. In the meantime, so as not to be like, I disobeyed them, let me start. But Lord, I started it. But to the glory of God, by, six, by the sixth week, the doctors told me, uh, so that uh, <laughs> another thing will not happen. You need to stop this thing. Because God has stepped in. Till today. Till today. Impossible is nothing. Are you with me, church? I can keep you here till tomorrow. But let me have mercy on you. So we end this service. Do you want to hear the conclusion next Sunday? Let's finish reading this and then stop. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters came upon the Egyptians and upon the chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not, not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Wonderful. Ole Tembo. Okweko. They were floating. They were floating. You know Okweko? Eja Okweko. Pharaoh. The dead body of Pharaoh with his big tummy. Big. If he was floating in his boxer shorts. All his captains, men of Gragra, all of them naked. Water had taken away their uniforms. Their dead bodies, cadaver. Cadaver. Is that not so? Cadaver. On, 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 on the Red Sea. On the Red Sea. The next day. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. May the Lord fight for you. May the Lord fight for you. May the Lord fight for you. May you see a victory. Stand on your feet, everybody.
Impossible is nothing. I'll take it up from here next Sunday by the grace of God.